Hello, Feel Good Friday, April 9th. Let's have a day. Good conversations with Paul Heyman, Jordan Palmer, Mark Schlereth, and we cover everything that's happening in the world, including, you know, what's Dak Prescott got going on? How some teams did? We didn't chat about Trevor Bowers' baseballs being checked for whatever cheating shit potentially they're alluding to. He came out and said, nah, I ain't doing that. This is a compliment, which I would like to let Trevor Bauer know if they think you're cheating because you're so damn good, that is a massive compliment. Um, that's whenever Roger Goodell started randomly testing me after good games. Whenever I wasn't tested, I started wondering if I wasn't worth a shit because he didn't test me. I've got to view that as a compliment. And shout out to baseball for making headlines for something that isn't baseball yet again. Other than that, let's get to it. Let's talk about the football, the draft, the life on this Feel Good Friday in you know, set you up for a beautiful weekend, hopefully, of Masters and WrestleMania and whatever the hell you got going on. If by the end of the show you enjoy it, please be a friend, tell a friend. Thank you so much for your dedication and loyalty this week. Let's get to it. Yesterday, the boys got their asses beat by Augusta. Today, it seems like the course is much easier, maybe made the greens a little bit softer so they weren't just glass. The yesterday's boost that I put out where I thought it was a certainty, a guarantee, I got a lot of tweets from people telling me that I fucked them over or whatever because oh. the boost did not hit. Excuse me. I think we're three or four out of the last four or five. So please have a little bit of respect. The last time we hit it, we took $5 million from FanDuel Woo-hoo. total together. Yesterday we lost, though. Yesterday that boost lost. Wow. And uh, to be honest, I have sent out some questions to the people at FanDuel about why they bamboozled me, why they hoodwinked me. Why did this originally start out at minus 200 when all these alleged golf people that were in the know they said came out and said knew the course was going to be tough today we all knew that well then then how come how come the books makers didn't know that because they had it at minus 200 that uh DeChambeau Dustin Johnson or speed speed, speed yeah. would shoot under a 68 only one person shot under a 68 yesterday and by the way today they're shooting way away <laughs> way that? so i feel like we we're potentially set up there and i don't know if it was fando didn't know or if all the books didn't know but there was allegedly people that pulled a jay glazer and said we knew this was going to happen afterwards i would want to know who those people are because did we get set up for failure potentially i apologize that the super boost didn't hit yesterday once again i'll go back to the drawing board so that we can take all the FanDuel's money. And people act as if just because they're our exclusive betting sports book that we are the same business. We Listen, when I lose, these motherfuckers get my money. Okay? Now, we only bet with these people. They paid us a lot of money only to bet with FanDuel, and we believe that they're the most convenient. They are the best odds-having oh, sports yeah. book. We have actually sent complaints they fixed them like we feel like like, that. like we feel like we have a great partnership in this whole thing but let's not act like this is not very much me versus these motherfuckers mm-hmm. i would like to take all their money too so when you're tweeting me saying your boost ruined my me too i want to let you know me too yeah. this did not help me as well i so we will try to take every dollar from them i promise you that from now until forever i do not love that the Super Boost didn't hit, but we'll get back in there. I'm pumped that the Masters are continuing. It's always nice just to have it on in the background. Now, granted, the Sunday nap, okay? Ooh. Oh, with Masters and then WrestleMania's on. Oh, oh there we go. Too. Oh, my God. I mean, Sunday, this weekend is setting up to be beautiful. Not because Saturday you get the Masters nap and WrestleMania. Then Sunday you get the Masters nap 
and WrestleMania. Oh, I mean, on. here we go. We are go. right around the corner. On deck is a fantastic weekend. So let's enjoy the hell out of this feel-good Friday here. Shout out CBDMD. Paul Heyman will be joining us. Yes. He is obviously special counsel to the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. He has been in the wrestling business for like 40 years at this point. One of the most brilliant minds in the history of sports entertainment will be joining us in about 19 minutes. And when he and I talk, know that the conversation's good. He came and visited us when we were on Radio Road down at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. and we were getting a couple of people that would come through to talk to us. Paul Heyman sat down. It was supposed to be for like a 10-minute thing. He stayed for 35 minutes or something. It would <laughs> oh, not yeah. leave. Didn't want to leave. Massive fan, a lot of questions, and when he gets on a microphone, his mouth says incredibly entertaining things. Big shout-out to Paul Heyman right here before WrestleMania weekend, taking time out of his day to come chat with us. Cannot wait for that. Jordan Palmer, the founder of the quarterback, Summit, uh, which is a quarterback training thing that goes on in Southern California for quarterbacks going into the draft. And once you get drafted, maybe come back to get better in the offseason. Last year, he was training Joey Burrow, okay, number one overall pick. This year, he's training Trevor Lawrence, wow. okay, number one overall pick. He played in the NFL, his brother's Carson. He still owes us a Carson Palmer bobblehead night that he promised us last draft spectacular. Mm-hmm. Feels like he potentially lied to us there, but he doesn't lie to us about the things he sees from quarterbacks, what his vision is. I cannot wait to hear his thoughts, not only about Trevor Lawrence, by the way, which seems like it's locked in. He's going to have a great NFL career. Why is that the case? But now let's also talk. I know you're busy with your guys, and I don't know who all he's training this year, but let's talk Zach Wilson. Let's talk Justin Fields. Let's talk Mac Jones. Let's say, why do you think some of these things are coming out now that maybe hadn't come out before? And does he know anything about the Goldman test, which we talked to Dr. Scott Goldman, and what all does that mean? Cannot wait to chat with Jordan Palmer, who's always a wealth of information. Information in the third hour alongside AJ Hawk, the boys and I, Mark Schlereth will be here. There's nothing really to talk about with Stink, to be honest. Like, there's no specific reason why he is coming on the show. (laughs) He is just coming on because he's a great conversation. We'll fire whatever the fuck at him, and he will have a great answer for it. (laughs) The guy's obviously Super Bowl champion, legend, TV commentator, uh, soap opera actor. I mean, he's been there, done that with everything. Uh, So whatever the show leads to, to him in the third hour, we'll get his opinions on it and everything like that. Cannot wait for him. Uh, A couple of the boys are here at Boston Connors here. How you doing, pal? Fantastic, Pat. How are you doing? I'm not too shabby. Uh, it seems like the Patriots are all the way out on Justin Fields. You've gotten very quiet on that whole aspect, but now <laughs> yeah. people are saying, there's other people saying, no, the Patriots are still going to make a big move. Have to be a bit conflicted, but this is what it's like as an NFL fan going into draft season. Exactly. I'm 50-50 on it, like you said, but because people are saying, oh, no, the Pats are in it, I just feel like out of Belichick's spite, well, you know, if they're saying that, I'm going to do that out of, you know, respect for myself. I'm not going to do that, but Jordan Palmer can ask about Jared Stidham. You know, what Stidham up to these we days? Will not ask about Jared Stidham. Whoa, that what? Is, that is not something that will happen. out with Hunter Henry. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> what are you swinging balls from the back? No Listen, Jared, I, shout out Jared Stidham. We had a good week, week and a half where mm-hmm. we talked about Jared Stidham because yeah. he was potentially going to be the quarterback that had to fill in for Tom Brady after that entire breakup. And you were, oh, Stidham. Who knows? Stidham is his yeah. name. Still could be. Yeah, that, by the way, still could be, but we are not going to waste Jordan Palmer's time with Jared Stidham, okay. Okay, who is potentially third-string quarterback on the New England Patriots, depending upon what the Patriots do on draft night. We are not going to do that. But as an NFL fan, looking at the NFL draft, you have a chance in that Bubba Gumpino sitting in here for Ty because 
Ty had to go do a uh, uh, personal family obligation. Mm-hmm. Very important. Oh, though. yeah. Very, 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 very important. Very, very, very important. important. Nothing bad, but very good, actually. Good. But very important. Yeah. Uh, Gumpy, Dolphins fan. Last year, going into the draft, there was a sense of excitement, I assume. Like, hey, our franchise can change. And that is the beauty of draft season. It's like, hey, our team with one the pick is in your entire franchise can change and that's how a lot of people are feeling right now still there pat we just got to get some weapons you got to see get Tua with some weapons see how it goes in a full season with them yeah amen i mean Tua's is going to have to have an opportunity uh to maybe prove himself or maybe behind the scenes they're like well he's good but he's not great that's why we're going to sub in a guy who's watching the masters today ryan Fitzmagic. <laughs> we're going to put his ass in there in fourth quarters whenever things matter he's now in washington who's allegedly in on trey lance yeah. washington football team there's reports coming out from michael lombardi former nfl general manager uh also the founder of the daily coach which is a newsletter letter he's not joining us right now so i'm not going to go through all his titles the motherfucker does everything <laughs> uh-huh. he came out and said and he's awesome he came out and said the washington football team is all in on trey lance he said he predicts that there's a chance that they could even make a move to go get trey lance in the draft which would be fascinating because the washington football team they bring back heineken okay after yep. the heineken the green bottle son of a bitch mm. put the Tampa Bay Buccaneers potentially in a blender in a playoff game last year. And with how that team performed in an NFC East that is kind of, you know, slaw last year and potentially slaw going forward as well. They bring him in for $8 million. They sign Ryan Fitzmagic for like 10 or $12 million. So now they have two quarterbacks that they're paying a pretty significant amount of money. If they were to make a move up in the draft to go get Trey Lance, which allegedly where they would have to get to is pretty high if they want to get him, how would they balance that? How would they handle that? Who knows? But this is just another piece of the entire puzzle that is being an NFL fan that the draft is potential opportunity. The draft is hope. The draft is tomorrow is going to be a better day than today was and yesterday I got to experience. The draft is everybody thinks they're potentially going to become a team that is going to be worthy of a conversation with one swift pick, one Roger Goodell announcement, one dap up on the screen. And on the flip side, you know, your team could potentially lose the Super Bowl. That's what fans (laughs) think. We are losing the Super Bowl with the draft pick we just picked. For instance... Go ahead. Say it. God damn it! (laughs) The Packers with the Jordan Love. So I think that is why the draft is so intriguing and awesome for fans. And to be honest, I I cannot wait for the draft. It is a couple weeks out now, so there is still some time for the draft to come. But I am very, very pumped about it. And I think the conversations leading up to it are also going to be great. It seems like there's a lot of bullshit. I think we, by the way, have been snooping around trying to snoop out the bullshit there, sniff out the bullshit there. And I think we have done that. That Dr. Scott Goldman test thing is really making its rounds. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it'll be something that is very much used going forward. Like, ah, but what did the Goldman say? What did the Goldman say? Goldman's never going to tell anybody. Mm -hmm. But with how important it has become in the judgment of Justin Fields by people that are not in NFL teams, we're talking about media members, uh, social media, humans, everything like that. I feel like we're just getting to the beginning of real information coming out because it seems like we've been swimming in a sea of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Guy was just chipped in. Pretty impressive stuff oh, there at the man. Masters. It was oh, Phil Mickelson. That's what Phil Mickelson does. He's had a rough couple weeks golfing, but he's he had a 10 or something on one hole what? last week what? or two weeks ago. Phil! Yeah, yeah. He, it was a short game, too, that uh, failed him, which yeah, is uh, not now. He's back. Locked in He right went now. to the lab. He is all the way back. At Viva Lazito, what is today's poll? I cannot wait to chat about this. What are you most excited to watch? 
And last place right now, we have WrestleMania oh. at 10%. Oh. Okay, it's still 10%. Probably. Sunday at the Masters, 12%. And then round one of the NFL draft, 78%. Okay, so NFL is king. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Always will be. NFL is king. For all the things we just said, that's uh, 7.3 thousand votes, yeah. allegedly. We are getting skeptical of the YouTube polls. So it's funny. I've been refreshing the last, like, basically as long as it's been out. It's only moved. Like, WrestleMania started, like, at 7%, and then it went to 10%, and it hasn't moved since. Yeah, well, see, for those that are wondering why we are skeptical of the YouTube polls, it's because for... Maybe the entire time of us using the YouTube polls, maybe we were just blindly to it because whenever we had our polls on Twitter, we would get some votes. You oh, know, yeah. we'd get like 20,000 votes, yeah. you know, 10,000 yeah. votes. It would fluctuate. 15,000 votes. It would move, but, but it was, it was, we got a lot of votes. You know what I mean? We got 10. We put one on YouTube. Uh, old old Louis Tubes cracked the code. He said, "Hey, the polls on YouTube. They they YouTube wants these polls to be big, so they're going to put it out everywhere." So the first day we had like three hundred and fifty thousand people vote on our poll or something. We're like, "Well, sorry, Twitter. Okay, yeah. we're going to the bigger poll. We get two hundred fifty thousand people vote on these polls. Three hundred thousand uh, alleged pollsters. There is the polls are just massive, but." We've gotten past the blinding of the big numbers. Yeah. Now we're starting to get a little skeptical of the results because it seems as if whenever these polls start, they set a percentage for one thing or another. And then we'll check in hours later, maybe hundreds of thousands of alleged votes later, and it's the exact same thing. So maybe they're so dialed in that they're able to pick up the percentage quickly from what people are saying. Or maybe, just maybe... It's bullshit. No. No, no, not the people. No, it's not the people that are bullshit. It's not the people that are bullshit. The numbers. The algorithm. We're talking about the potential written results. Yeah. The amount of people voting, the number. We are, we're just keeping an eye on it, is all we're saying. We we loved what the YouTube poll has brought to us in a community page at youtube.com forward slash the Pat McAfee show. It seems like, look, 8.9 thousand votes. There was already, there was just a thousand and a half votes right there in the last whatever speech I just went on in two and a half minutes or whatever. These things go, go. But the percentages rarely change throughout the entire show. And that's kind of a bit befuddling unless YouTube's algorithms are so dialed in, they get it right very early. Well, and this one's not going to change either. I mean, we just talked about how the draft is the greatest thing because the endless possibilities for every team. I wouldn't be surprised if this one's like 95% for round one of the draft. I like the fact that you're rocking the XFL hat, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. XFL. We were singing a little Eddie Vedder song. You, you were, you were singing. <laughs> I was not part of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? We were all doing it. it that time. sucks the brain out of your skull. <laughs> awesome. Whatever's left of it. But. The the XFL, by the way, first time, the first time the XFL was introduced, it was not supposed to be a televised thing. It was created as a live event thing. So it would be like a concert. It'd be like a show. It'd be something like that. With It was designed basically to do that. Then old buddy, what's his name? Charlie Chapman. What's the uh, the guy from NBC? What's the uh, Ebersol? Charlie Ebersol. Charlie Ebersol. 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 With a B. Yeah. Charlie Ebersol. He lost the rights to something. He knew Vince. He approached Vince like a couple weeks allegedly before the XFL started. And was like, hey, I need something in my prime time. And I think Vince 
allegedly if the 30 for 30 or whatever documentary it was about it vince was like well it's not a this is not for tv <laughs> yeah. and ever so was like no i trust you like let's just let's put out something because i don't have anything and then obviously vince the first week is this is the xfl <laughs> and all the people in the crowd there are all probably wrestling fans vince mcmahon fans understand it but at home you know primetime television a lot of people turn it on and we're like Okay, so we're not going to watch. This is not the this is not the alternate to the NFL. It had success, but nowhere near the amount of success that everybody uh, potentially projected. But not Vince McMahon. I think Vince McMahon once it got on TV never expected it to be some you know like glowing yeah. TV sensation. So it disappears. I assume Vince McMahon. I've only talked to him twice. Actually, good one time. <laughs> How you then, doing, pal? Yeah, yeah, and then another one—a <laughs> a quick handshake or whatever. I'm not. I assume the fact that people labeled it as a failure sat in his sat in his. That yeah, was one of those things, right? Whether he was like, these motherfuckers don't even know yeah. that this was supposed to be a live show. It wasn't supposed to be TV. They're judging me off the TV, not the live show. We sold out stadiums. Fucking what are we? You know. So I probably sat in there. If I had to guess, I don't know him well enough to make that accurate assumption. Yeah. But I am. Assuming that it sat in there. So whenever it was a, a chance to potentially come back and Ebersol's kid was potentially going to launch another league and that thing failed completely, absolutely failed completely, didn't pay the players, didn't pay the coaches. The AAFL is what we're talking about. It was a, I believe that thing was maybe the most Mickey Mouse operation I've ever heard from the people that were in it. Like players were like, wait till you hear this. I was getting texts from former teammates. They were like, wait until you hear the shit that we're going through here. We're practicing in some high school with no field. They're not paying us. I had to pay for my motel that I was staying in. Shit show. Like it was just a complete shit show. I think football wise, they maybe had it. I don't know, but just the business side of it was bad. So the XFL comes back, partners with Fox, ESPN, Everybody, yeah. huge. We're gonna change the way you know. Uh, we we're gonna we're gonna do this for TV. We're gonna get some legends of the game to come in here. We're gonna try to. And that thing was after those games were averaging over a million people per game. Oh yeah. Okay, and everybody's gonna be like, well, the NFL gets forty some million for a championship. Game. It's like, yeah, yeah, I agree. But go look at what all this other shit's getting. Yeah. One million people to watch an ex. They were going. I saw it firsthand in that first week whenever I got a chance to call it on the field. I was originally pitched when I okayed it that I would be in the booth, mm. but then I was switched to the field like a couple of days before and then kind of like, you know, uh, what's it called whenever they try to make you feel bad? Uh, uh, guilt trip? Yeah, I was kind of guilt tripped into like, yeah. uh, like, well, you did say you would do it. I was like, no, no, I said I would, I said I would be because I was told, but I'll do it. But anyways, I was happy I was guilt tripped in it because I got a chance to experience it. The fans were excited. The teams were committed. They felt like everything was getting taken care of. And then, you know, Uncle COVID came through and kind of ruined the whole thing. So I think XFL will always be kind of viewed as a failure. And maybe even some people who are super haters of Vince McMahon or whatever will say a two-time failure. Yeah. I don't agree with that at all. No. I don't agree with that at all. I, I think I think the XFL was a success. I think the first time it wasn't meant to be a TV success. It was supposed to be a live uh, performance success. It was at that point. And I didn't know that lot as it happened, by the way. It wasn't until that documentary I watched where I was like, oh, this makes so much sense on how it all worked out. But the second time, getting a chance to experience it and watch it and everything, I think it was a success until Uncle COVID came through. But 
people always say uh, it failed. Well, and the stuff they tried, right? Like if the replay was awesome, like if that gets carried over to the NFL, you got to think like, look what they did. Also, the interviews on the sideline, players coming off the field, like, oh fuck, that was awesome sky on cam. a hot mic. The sky cam. Yeah, the sky cam. Yeah, that's what I was doing here. I, that was tough charades. I think. <laughs> I thought you were going like swimming yeah, or something. Yeah, down well, there. that's what the sky cam does. Yeah, you know? it gets in there. <laughs> Yeah, but... Uh, I mean, you almost took a hand off that game. I was getting yelled at the entire time. 15 yards on the field. Doing I was a getting yelled at. Because <laughs> the person who I was directly working with kind of knew that I was bamboozled and also liked me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they, they liked me or whatever. I was like, what am I supposed to do? I'm, I'm not trained for... The, like, people go to school for a long time to be good sideline reporters because there's certain information there has to be timing you have to remember these certain things i'm like this ain't my fucking thing like i'm supposed to be reacting to stuff yeah. like okay this is what you're gonna have to do. you have to ask for permission to speak so we'll send it to the truck <laughs> and the truck will send it there they'll give you a yes then you can talk or whatever i'm like okay that's not gonna work like that's just that's just not how it's gonna work they're like well that's how this whole thing goes i'm like okay i'm like where am i supposed to stand am i supposed to stand like they're like oh you can go wherever you want i'm like wherever they're like, yeah, wherever you want just kind of walk around I'm like okay you got it Fine. i fuck it was what five yards behind the fucking line oh, yeah. And I heard in my ear, get off the field. You're touching the, you're touching the logo. Oh, I'm sorry. My left talker. Do I have to ask? Who do I? I'm sorry. You have yeah, to clarify it? that what? you have to get off the field? Or? Who am I? Hold on. Okay, yeah, I'll get off the field. Me walking up to the ref. What's going on? <laughs> if you would have been a pass down, that would have been. <laughs> there, if there, was, there was a fumble right in front of me. Yeah. Jump on it. If that person, if that gets recovered, I have, to do, I have to do like a full O-lay on the middle of the field. That Johnny Manziel. Uh, <laughs> or you're running next to him like, how do you feel right now? Hey, good for you, man. <laughs> yeah. You think you're going to score? Hey, look at this. You're scoring a uh, anyways, <laughs> you think that kickoff will ever uh, make its way around the other leagues or no? What was it? I don't they, remember. They, they had them like everybody Sad. was already down uh, at the 30, like except for the kicker and the returner. So they boot the ball off. Oh, then... so that's a practice drill for kickoffs. Real, standing like 10 yards, 5 yards. Now that I remember it. Yeah. yeah. Whenever you just move everybody on the field, you save their legs, right? So, yeah. hey, we're not going to make you run the whole entire way. We're just going to set it up. That's like a kickoff drill. Okay. I don't know if that'll matter. I think that seems a bit Mickey Mouse. Yeah. But other than the, other than that, they also moved the ball up five yards on the kickoff. Yep. Because there was heavy wind, and that was like two minutes before the game. <laughs> I was like, I love that you guys can just fly. On the fly. Hey, I like that. Yeah. I really, really like that. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I want to let you know that people go through many changes as we get older. Yeah, of course. You realize it. You see it. We all look in the mirror. We all feel the way we feel as we get older. And for men, one of the less uh, fortunate things is that testosterone production begins to naturally decrease in the body. For most men, it begins around the age of 30, and testosterone production declines by roughly 1% per year. Wow. Listen, now that I'm reading it, it's starting to make sense because most dudes, and if you're not a dude listening, I apologize, uh, you're going to get a chance to kind of, you know, peek behind the curtain here. Once dudes turn 30, You'll hear this, oh, it's different once you hit 30. Oh, it's different once you hit 30. I think whenever you're in your 20s, you you started feeling it a little bit late 20s. But then once you hit your 30s, everybody says, oh, wait till you're 30. And then the 40s is even worse. Well, I think a good chance that the reason that is what it is, is because you lose your testosterone production by 1% per year after the age of 30 for most men. 
That's insane. Testosterone is a big deal, okay? And this isn't adding testosterone. This is actually just supporting your own body's natural function. They formulated their own blend with transparent and scientifically backed ingredients. Getting started is simple. You go to GetRoman.com forward slash USA. Their supplement contains vitamin D3, zinc, magnesium, maca, and ashwagandha in a unique blend designed by healthcare professionals that you can't get anywhere else. To learn more about these ingredients, visit GetRoman.com slash USA. Roman is offering $15 off your first order and will deliver your supplements right to your door with free two-day shipping. Yes, when you go to GetRoman.com forward slash USA, G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com forward slash USA, you get $15 off your first order plus free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com forward slash USA. The testosterone helps you feel more energized, more powerful, everything. Testosterone helps everything in your body. I think we're all kind of learning about that as some science continues to evolve and tell us what's good and what isn't good this supplement it's four pills is a beautiful thing and also roman has like 45 other i don't know that's a lot like 7,000. <laughs> they have other things that help you with you know your allergies male pattern baldness erectile dysfunction quick coming you know what i mean roman will help you out with everything go to getroman.com forward slash USA, $15 off your first order plus free two-day shipping. Shout out to Roman, shout out to you. Let's get back to the show. You know, we're two and a half minutes late here on this conversation we're supposed to be having with this man. And I want to let you know, I am a person that firmly believes you should never take two and a half minutes of mic time away from this person. Oh, yeah. Every time he gets a mic in his hand, magic happens. He's a maestro on that thing. He's currently serving as special counsel to the tribal chief, Roman Reigns, who's also champion. They'll be main eventing Sunday night's WrestleMania night two, where Roman Reigns battles against Edge and Daniel Bryan. This guy has been a genius in the wrestling business for what seems to be maybe 90 years at this point. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Hayes. Yeah! How are you, pal? I, uh... I, I thank you for that introduction, and I, I, I thank you also for, for, for being understated uh, in, in your assessment of my greatness. Um, because it's, uh... I don't want to have to live up to a lot coming on this show. So the, uh, the downplaying of just... I applaud you back, sir. Oh, well, thank you. That means a lot. I, I didn't, you know, it's impossible to really put over everything you've accomplished in the wrestling business. So I just say a couple things so you don't have to really live up to the hype, you know, kind of like a relaxed conversation between us. Yes, sir. I, I agree with that assessment as well. Okay, so WrestleMania weekend is upon us. This is obviously always the biggest weekend in sports entertainment. Roman, main eventing night two, uh, the tribal chief. How do you feel going into this WrestleMania? There's going to be fans back. That has to be fucking good news, right, for everybody. How do you feel going into the weekend, though, Paul? With my hands, besides that, um... I serve as special counsel to the tribal chief, the ranging, defending, undisputed, uncontroverted universal heavyweight champion and the main event attraction at WrestleMania, Roman Reigns. I feel as he feels, and I feel very confident that what we will have this weekend is a demonstration of WWE's new megastar, the top box office attraction in sports, entertainment, and indeed sports entertainment, not just in WWE, but all of sports entertainment. Roman Reigns, and I, I actually, to, to be blunt, because I'm older now, I'm wiser, I'm softer, admittedly, um, 
No, not when I pop Viagra, but um, <laughs> I have actually the viewings, you know, yeah. um, which which I really, really blame my children for. And, and it's why I, I have contempt and disdain for my own children, because they've kind of made me a mush. And, and I feel very bad for Edge and Daniel Bryan, because both of them have magnificent, wonderful, heartwarming comeback stories. And, 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 and they get their asses. Well, that's such. Hey, by the way, that's why. That's why you are Paul Heyman. That's why you are the man you are. Now, we're going to have to call him back to get a better connection. But what he was saying there is, hey, now that I'm older, I got a little bit more feelings. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Feel bad for Edge. I feel bad for Daniel Bryan. And for those of you that don't understand the wrestling business at all, what he was doing right there is he was trying to put over who Roman is fighting on Sunday night. The fact of the matter is, night two WrestleMania, Roman Reigns, Edge, Daniel Bryan, is three certain Hall of Famers into the NFL. One already is. Absolutely going to tear the place down. And any time Paul Heyman gets a talk, you need to listen. Can't be broken up because of fucking service. Yeah, of course. Especially when he's going on about, you know, Roman Reigns. We're talking about WrestleMania. Oh, he was about to go right there. And then, like, in the middle of it, it's just, you know, kind of, you know why it is? You know what it is? What's that? Zoom fucking stinks. Yeah, Zoom is the worst thing of all time. Zoom stinks. Can we get some FaceTimes here? Hey, Hey, listen. What are we doing? Come on. Everybody's doing the Zoom business. And I appreciate it because it was very convenient like 14 months ago when all of us had to move to this tech world and we had to meet. I enjoyed it. I got a chance to do like reunion type things. Old teammates put Zooms yeah. together. Classmates put old Zooms yep. together. Old friends groups put Zooms together. It was fantastic. But whenever you're talking about, you know, now that we're 14 months later, Zooms Zooms have not adapted or overcome yeah. at all with modern technology or their problems. Keep so up. If you're not having 50 people in one FaceTime, sure, sure. go ahead, use Zoom. Yeah. But when it's one-on-one hey, here, hey. we're talking about Apple. Hey, We're talking about FaceTime. We're talking about what Steve Jobs created. Yes. Then Timmy Cook took the reins. Uh-huh. And what they've been able to build is a connection that Elon Musk would even be appreciative That's of. Right. Joining us back, ladies and gentlemen, special counsel to the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. The last answer you gave us was basically saying I feel how Roman Reigns feels and I you said now that you're getting older with your kids you're starting to feel bad for things you're starting to become a mush you're getting soft your words not mine your words not mine and you're saying Edge Daniel Bryan their comeback stories are magnificent they're big but they just so happen to have a buzzsaw waiting for them on Sunday night ain't that right yeah yeah they're gonna they're gonna get beaten fugly (laughs) (laughs) there's no way around it I mean this this is going to be, as I used to say with Brock Lesnar, this is going to be a prison beaten. And, and you know, if you're a fan of Edge and Daniel Bryan, I highly encourage you to watch WrestleMania this Sunday because it's the last time you're going to see either one of them for quite some time because Roman Reigns is going to put a Samoan-level beating on the two of them, the likes of which they can't even comprehend. I mean, they're walking in there with this sports entertainment fantasy that they're gonna, one of them is going to regain the championship, which is laughable at best. At best. They're walking into the ring with Roman Reigns at the top of his game, just just entering his prime, having a, a, a six to eight month period of his career like never before. They have no clue what they're walking into. Hey, nothing. So, hey, at what point? Because you were formerly, uh, you did serve as 
uh, Brock Lesnar's manager, I believe. I believe that advocate. Advocate. So sorry. Advocate. Sorry. Advocate for advocate to the beast. That's on, that's on me. That's 100 percent on me. And every, I mean, it was. Yeah. I'm, I could never do it justice. But that was. At what point did you realize? I was it when you were alongside Brock. Was it when Brock and Roman took each other on? At what point did you realize? Like, okay, Roman's gonna be the guy. At, like, at what point did you see it? Did you know all along, or was there a certain moment? When Roman Reigns was three years old, his father was working in Continental Wrestling Federation, which at the, t at the time, the creative was being head by Eddie Gilbert, and I was Eddie Gilbert's assistant. And there was a show in Panama City, Florida, and Roman Reigns' father, the legendary WWE Hall of Famer, Sika, came into the locker room, and he brought Roman Reigns with him. And at three years old, this young man already had so much personality and so much charisma, you could tell he was going to be a top-level, A1, top-tier star, no matter what he did in his life. It just so happens he chose sports entertainment. But he would have been a star no matter what he did. I knew when he was three years old, that's, there you go, there's the future. And obviously, I mean, again, now take a look. How did the Shield come into WWE? The Shield came into WWE to protect the championship reign of CM Punk. And who was CM Punk's special advisor? Who was CM Punk's advocate? Who was standing next to CM Punk? Paul Heyman. Who brought in the Shield? Paul Heyman. I've been seeing this in Roman Reigns since before anybody even realized I was seeing it in Roman Reigns. There's a picture, I do believe, of the Hulkster, Sika, and Roman as a child. Getting a chance to be in the wrestling business for, I said 90 years in your introduction, but it does feel like that way. There's these legendary tales of you sneaking into creative meetings when uh, Dusty Rhodes was running things and, and everything like that. You, you've been a lifer for this thing since a teenager. Whenever you see... Some Somebody like Roman take his moment as the top guy or, or somebody kind of build through there. What are your thoughts like whenever you see like because it, it's almost a passing of the torch. When Roman got that, it was a passing of the torch for an incredible billion dollar worldwide industry at this point. Uh, right, well, it's it's the natural evolution of, of the industry and, and, and any industry that is, you know, you talked about Steve Jobs and Elon Musk. And these are disruptors. These are disruptors of the status quo. And Roman Reigns is a disruptor of the status quo. He's not content with where the industry is. There, there, there's an old expression. I'm sure you've heard it many times uh, in this business, on the football field, and in all the other various businesses that you're involved in. I didn't work this hard to get where I am to be content with where I am. Mm -hmm. And and the industry can never be content with where it is, or the industry will lag instantly, or the competitors will then catch up and cut into your market share. So I look at Roman Reigns, and I realize this is the natural evolution of the entire industry. This is where the industry is headed. And his level of greatness is unparalleled at the moment. And he will be dominant in this fashion until the day comes that someone comes along that can challenge him 
on his level of greatness, which at the moment, no one can. Yeah, it does seem like he has cemented himself as miles ahead of everybody else, especially with you alongside him. I mean, you don't want to say it because you're so humble, uh, obviously, but whenever you get added to something, it immediately makes it more important. It immediately makes it bigger because the person speaking for the person or with the person alongside the person for the person, however you want to describe it, is maybe the greatest on-mic performer in the history of the business. So I think you need to maybe sell yourself a little bit better, but not that you wouldn't be able to do that if you were to talk about it yourself, but you're in there when you get involved with Roman it gets going so big the thought this year was that there was potentially a Roman rock uh, mm. WrestleMania, that, because obviously, uh, you know, the tribal chief at the, at the head of the table, the, I believe he was the king of the island. It seemed like that was a natural thing. Did you, is that something you wanted to see? And who would that be better for, you think? It'd be better for Rock. For sure. Oh, my God, look at the, look at the celebrity rub he gets from Roman Reigns. I agree. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's why I you asked. Know, I mean, hey, the Rock isn't the only A-lister right now that, that that's, you know, not, not knocking on knocking on the door trying to get into the ring with Roman Reigns, especially at WrestleMania, let alone at SummerSlam, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, and all the other shows. Um, this is, this is, it's Roman Reigns' time. Everybody wants to get into the ring with Roman Reigns. Everybody, from, from, from sports, from entertainment, from sports entertainment, people you wouldn't even think of just saying, hey, wow, what a, what a, what a, what a platform, what a, what a forum, what an opportunity to rub up against someone. You know, it, it'd be like getting on, it, it'd be get, like getting onto the golf course with Tiger Woods. It'd be like getting to play a game of horse with, with LeBron James. It, it, it's, it's when, when someone is, is that dominant, that on top of his game, that legendary already and hasn't even hit the peak of his career yet, who doesn't want to get into the ring with Roman Reigns? Except, of course, after Sunday, I bet you Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan won't want to get into the ring with Roman Reigns anytime soon. Yeah, I agree. Edge and Daniel Bryan probably won't ever want to step foot, maybe in the same building as Roman with yeah. what's about to happen on Sunday, especially with how you're describing. I'm sure they have different plans, but the way you're describing things are going to go on. Uh, whenever you have all these people asking, you know, like for a shot at the title, you know, like, hey, listen, I want to get into a basketball game, a horse game, a three-point contest with Steph Curry. I want to get on the football field, uh, be a wide receiver with Tom Brady or play against some. I want to get in the ring with him. How do you pick and choose? And I'm not saying you do this, special counsel. I assume it's a, a roundtable discussion if you guys are, if I'm reading the room right. How do you guys pick and choose which way you go? For instance, Daniel Bryan Edge. This obviously came about. Edge comes back and he gets himself involved in this thing, it seems like. But how do you guys pick and choose? choose where you're going to go for these massive Wrestlemania is massive how is this what Roman and you and, and, and Jey Uso kind of chose for the weekend A what's the biggest box office that we can attract that, that, that's the number one priority this is a business it's a business with shareholders and a publicly traded company and our obligation is, is to give them return on their investment in WWE to what's the best story because the best story can lead to the biggest box office so what's the best story three what, what's the best match um, and, 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 and three doesn't always apply to two and one, uh, but it, it helps if it does. If, if there's customer satisfaction after the fact, that, that only helps sell the next show. It, 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 it's, it's, the old, it's the old adage that every show is just an audition by the company for you to tune into the next show. So, mm. but the number one priority is box office. This is a business, and we're looking, and we're looking to attract viewership, and, and, and we're commerce facilitators. We, 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 we're here to sell you 
uh, on a streaming service, on a pay-per-view, on buying a T-shirt, a souvenir program, a replica title, whatever it is. It's, we're, 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 here to, we're here to make money. Um, and then, of course, it's just a matter of what's the best storyline to get to that money. Man, Paul, you're so fucking good. There's so many ways I want to go here. The Peacock Network, massive, massive deal for the company that you work for, obviously. That's a big deal. It has been, you know, when the WWE Network happened, Vince, and I assume anybody that was associated with him, was called an absolute idiot. You're going to lose all your customers, paying and charging for a monthly fee, taking down the paper, allowing the pay-per-view to be a part of that. Then, obviously, now everybody's doing it. It seems like the WWE is always trailblazers in this entire thing how do you roman in the box office attraction feel about the move to peacock uh do you like this move do you appreciate this move and how do you see the business going forward it's a billion dollar deal we like billion dollar we like billion dollar deals we like billion dollar deals we now have three of them as as a company we have a billion dollar deal for smackdown with fox which by the way now think about it with roman reigns and paul Heyman every friday night live Wow, did, did did Fox get us on the cheap? Fox won, yeah. 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 yeah, Monday Night Raw with NBCU. That's a billion-dollar deal. And now you have the Peacock deal, which is a billion-dollar deal. And as, as I told um, the uh, the sports media podcast earlier this week, knowing Vince McMahon, he's already trying to figure out the first trillion-dollar deal. <laughs> <laughs> if Elon Musk is going to colonize Mars, I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, Vince McMahon is looking to build a stadium on Mars and put a show on it. For hey, that's going to be a Vince McMahon territory, huh? Mars, you think the whole, you think that's going to be an entire thing? The the evolution of the business, I think, has been exposed in different fashions. Whether it's documentaries on the WWE Network that are incredible, that is now a part of the Peacock uh, streaming service, or if it's something like Young Rock, by the way, which uh, I don't know if you get a chance to watch on Tuesday nights and everything like that. How how and why? Do you think uh, sports entertainment, wrestling, has been able to sustain for this long and there's no end in sight, it seems like? Why is it? I believe, let me get as a fan, I'll tell you what I think and then I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it as well. For me, it is everything you could possibly want. It's comedy, it's live action, it's drama, it's uh, it's seeing things that you never see before, and you can kind of just get caught up in the stories and everything like that. But even as it feels like people attack wrestling, want to expose wrestling, it has staying power, always will. Why do you think that is? Because it's good. <laughs> Easy as that. You know? Yeah. Well, you know what? What? Hey, what, what, besides the need to reproduce, why do humans keep keep having sex? it's good yeah yeah yeah. you know it's it's uh larger than larger than larger than life personalities and compelling and riveting situations working their asses off to entertain you in a fashion that you can't find anywhere else it's also the most interactive product that you possibly you know um steph curry and lebron james and james harden they dunk a basketball What's the interaction with the audience? None. It's the audience showering them with affirmation for 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 their greatness and appreciation of their greatness. But they're not. But they're not interacting with the audience. It's not a give and take. Um, the audience doesn't play a role. The audience is just there to witness. Audiences don't witness in sports entertainment. Audiences participate. Um, and 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 when I really 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 learned that, and and. And so late, excuse me, so so late 
curveball. Yeah, right. so hey, don't hey, hey, we need a big night Sunday. Okay, yeah. hey, big night Sunday. Let's let's not you know let's take care of the hair bowler. Indeed, Indeed. no <laughs> doubt, no argument, no excuses. Um, and 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 didn't charge much by the hour. So, um. <laughs> Uh, where, 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 oh, I interrupted you. I stopped your flow. We were talking about wrestling staying power and how fans participate oh, and partake. Oh, and at what me. moment? At what moment did you? At what moment? Yeah. Uh, we went to Saudi Arabia for the first time. And I didn't know what to expect because I didn't know the, the audience's product knowledge. There's 70,000 people in a stadium in, 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 uh, in Saudi Arabia. And I'm thinking, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they know and what they don't know. And my shtick for a few years had been, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman. I am the advocate for the reigning, defending. I'm a Jew boy from the Bronx in, in the Republic of Saudi Arabia. And I'm thinking, they ain't going to say this with me. I'm just going to just do it, do it real fast and get out of here and just. And I get the microphone and they cheer wildly. And I'm thinking, wow, I guess they just want to hear somebody talk. And I say, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody, I mean, 70,000 people in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia saying, my name is Paul Heyman. <laughs> I said, holy shit, this is so global. And, yeah. and, and that, that I, I kind of missed the point because it was so interactive. Yeah. That 70,000 people in Saudi Arabia want you, want you to know their name is Paul Heyman. Yeah, a Jew boy from the Bronx. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's just the, the the enormity and the absurdity of the interaction with the audience. Um, it's why great actors will do movies to pay the bills, but they yearn for Broadway. Oh my God, they they they, they crave it. They, they 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 have a lust for that live performance with a crowd. Yeah. Hey, listen. That's that's the magic here. You got a crowd coming back this weekend, 25,000. The fact yeah. that you guys have been able to entertain people without a live audience, with how important a live audience is, with everything you just said, by the way, and more, now that I've gotten a very small, I would still be undefeated if it wasn't for those two things. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those two things happen. But now that I get kind of got a small taste of what it could potentially be with the audience and a little bit of a pop and with different pro, uh, uh, protocols for COVID, more and less people in the Capitol Wrestling Center, the more people, the sound i mean that that's coming back this weekend it has to be a very joyful time right now in the wwe uh, well it certainly is for roman reigns and paul Heyman. i'll tell you that because no one's reaction is going to match ours this weekend i can't wait to watch it uh thank you for your time i appreciate you i also found the fact that uh, goldberg won over in saudi arabia also awesome i think that in a place went crazy over there i think that is also <laughs> awesome uh but paul i can't thank you enough for your time man you're the best Sir, I, I am as big an admirer of yours as you are of mine. Uh, that's not true. That's not true. Cause I'm You're gonna, right. But yeah, come on. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Hammond. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Nate. Thank you, me. Thank you, Paul. Great. That was great. Wow, that guy is good. Real good. Do you hear what people are saying back here, Paul? He's awesome. Ah, who listens to them? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Thank you, man. Thank you, Mr. So sorry to interrupt, but I want to let you know that if you're not gambling with FanDuel, you're wrong. 
Okay, FanDuel Sportsbook is available in uh, seven states, I believe, at this point. Uh, six, seven, eight. You get it. If you're not gambling with FanDuel Sportsbook, though, you're completely wrong. And if we're not in your state yet, we are coming to your state. We have better odds. We have a much easier to use app. The convenience is next level. The people at FanDuel actually refund people when they shouldn't refund people, giving back hundreds of millions and millions of dollars to their users. Users, FanDuel Sportsbook is the best sportsbook going for a lot of reasons. Most of them, what I just said. Uh, we are very thankful for our partnership with FanDuel. Obviously, you know, uh, there was a little bit of a miscommunication last week between myself and FanDuel. We worked that out. That's kind of how things operate whenever you're in a business relationship with each other. But even if we weren't in a business relationship with FanDuel, it'd be hard to say that we wouldn't use the FanDuel Sportsbook app. There are so many different ways to win. There's more things to bet on. Their boosts seem to always hit, which is just fucking themselves over time and time again. Uh, we love the hell out of FanDuel Sportsbook, and you will too. If you haven't used it yet, use it now. Also, there's fantasy on there, daily fantasy, and free-to-play games where you can win money. Shout out to FanDuel. Shout out to you. Let's get back to the show. Joining us now, ladies and gentlemen, a man who is the founder of the Quarterback Summit, which it seems to be an Illuminati of quarterbacks that hang out and train together. Truly. Yeah. He's a savant in the quarterback business, in the quarterback world. Mm -hmm. Joining us to chat about everything happening in the quarterback world, ladies and gentlemen, Jordan Palmer. Yeah! Hey, it was loud. Louder. No, okay, it's louder. no, I was about to say it was loud Whoa. that time. We actually had a reminder beforehand, like, hey, Jordan likes this thing a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I need that energy. I need that energy like you need to get that desk cleared. You got some serious paperwork to tend to. <laughs> Jordan, listen, whoa. you don't even know what you just started. Whoa, I mean, whoa. it is it has been a topic of conversation, not only around here, but by a few viewers of the show as well. A lot of people say they get anxiety. They get panic attacks. I did happen to spill a green tea uh, all over my MacBook a week <laughs> or two ago. I mean, it is. But by the way, I took care of it. Tech guy, I understand yeah. what's going on. About that. But you're right. There's a lot going on here what we don't have here though interestingly enough we, you see we got uh i believe jesus is over there yep. bob ross is there aaron Rodgers is here uh shout out jared lorenzen rest in peace all right aj hawk is here mm -hmm. i think we were supposed to have a jordan palmer and a carson palmer oh, one yeah. uh, oh, but there yeah. was a lie just an oh, absolute right. lie was told to us by somebody is that is that true somebody send me the address because it's a carson palmer 2002 bobblehead from the draft we were in a suit and a bangles hat and it, you asked for both of our autographs and i have it so I okay. Have it. Okay. okay so we're making pro okay we appreciate that we'll get yep. you the address let's talk about yep. the draft though does everybody get a bobblehead draft and does every person that gets a bobblehead at the draft that gets drafted first do they just train with you is that what happens is that how this whole thing they goes? get an nft and then they sell it for a trillion dollars <laughs> emerging market uh, um but uh, no, this has been a this has been a fun year. It's been an interesting draft year with Trevor, just with the surgery and the and the, the pandemic, and then the early pro day. We you know bumped a pro day up six weeks, which has really never been done before. Um, and so it's been an interesting off season, but it's been a blast, and I'm ready to watch where I'm ready to watch this draft. I think this one's going to be awesome. This first round is going to be fireworks. It feels like there's going to be a lot of action. And before we move to that, I do want to ask one more question about Trevor Lawrence. Why? Why? 
Why did he have to move that pro day? Is that for the wide receivers? I mean, why did he want to just do one? Why was it like a man? Because immediately upon me seeing it, and they're like, he's getting surgery tomorrow. I'm like, who gives a fuck? Why is he even? Because he's got a full rehab. He's got a, he's, his throwing motion, right, could potentially be a little bit different than it is right now if he's getting a shoulder surgery or anything. Like, why, why did he have the pro day? I, I don't understand because it's been locked in, right? He's number one overall. Well, I, I don't know that anything's ever locked in until it's all said and done, and we can okay. speculate all day long, and we can come up with, you know, um, scenarios where we can see other things happening. But, you know, my, that's my assumption for sure. And, you know, I had an opportunity to still have a pro day for him, um, but get the surgery done early so that he wasn't rehabbing right before training camp. He was preparing before training camp. Um, and so he did, and uh, and everything went really smooth. And th- this dude, Pat, you would love this guy. Um, he's just kind of like a ball player, and you know, doesn't really care too much about all this other stuff. I think one of the biggest things about Trevor is I look to see him transition into the NFL is, you know, a lot of these guys were big time recruits and that's fine, but he was like the face of recruiting for like a year or two, which means like when you're in high school, every single thing you do, there's a million kids have camera phones out at seven on seven tournaments, just waiting for you to throw a pick. And then he's the face of college football for three years. I actually think being the franchise quarterback in Jacksonville will feel smaller than being the face of college football for three years. So I actually think it'll be less of a deal. Um, and he's handled the, the the magnitude of being the face of college football really well. I'm excited to see how he handles this. Now he has the chance, and this is why he's going number one overall and why he was the face of college football and recruiting and of the 2021 draft. By the way, for the last three years, he's been the face of the 2021 draft. They're like, uh, well, Trevor's going to go. He, if you want last year, everybody's like, oh, you would have won one last year, that whole thing. But the reason why he has that is because there's a chance, it feels like, with this Jacksonville team, with the way Urban Meyer's operating and the way the uh, Shad Khan is investing and they're rebuilding and they're doing this whole thing. And you get Trevor down there, there's a chance that he's going to become one of the faces of the NFL too pretty quickly. It's nice to hear though that with all that scrutiny, all the eyes on him, he's maintained an ability to remain normal. I have no idea how he would do that. That seems like a trait that should be one that is being talked about a lot whenever they talk about Trevor Lawrence, don't you think? 100%. Uh, When I evaluate, and I think we've talked about this, when I evaluate quarterbacks, I always look at two things first. I look at confidence and maturity. And I don't need to spend too much time talking about Trevor Lawrence's confidence in himself. When you step in as a true freshman and do what he did that first year at Clemson, that says all you need. That shows you everything you need to see about his confidence. But really, his maturity is what I think sticks out the most. And it's how normal he stayed through this whole crazy three, four, five-year stretch. It's how normal he stayed. His circle's the same. He's super kind to everybody. He's like as kind as you can be for still being a dog on the field, which you have to be. Um, but really, I think it's the maturity. If you think about it, he really started the let us play movement for college football. Oh, yeah. And, and I know that the NFL was watching the NCAA to establish protocols and see how things were going to go. So he's actually a big reason we had football this year. Okay. <laughs> and if you had to pick one player who didn't need to play this year and his draft stock wouldn't be affected, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be your guy you pick. Right. And then when George Floyd died, he really utilized his platform to speak to the social and racial injustice. And, and so here's a guy that could have just said, you know what, I'm just gonna like, if we play, I'll play. If we don't, I'll collect my check in a year, sit back, see what happens, work on my short game. This dude wanted to play ball and he wanted to use this platform for good. And so he's about as mature as I've seen at this age. Hey, he's gonna turn Jacksonville around, huh? I, I think so. And I think Urban, you know, I, 
I work with a lot of guys, but I'm evaluating all these spots. I actually think Jacksonville is one of the best landing spots I've seen in a while um, in terms of what they're doing, the way that they're, Urban is going to be cutting edge and think about building edge. players and the way he's going to use data analytics and sports science. Um, I, I think they're, they're going to build something really, really special there. Brian Schottenheimer, Daryl Bevel's the coordinator. They yeah. just have brought in some just really, really cool people. Um, and this owner will spend... And uh, the you know Shaw and Tony Khan, and they're very cutting edge and forward thinking. And uh, to have a quarterback where you kind of know exactly what you're going to get day one is such an advantage when you're trying to build an organization. Yeah, and Schlegel's down there as the director of sports <laughs> oh, performance man. as well. Anthony Schlegel, you know what I mean, linebacker, Ohio State legend of a man. Mm-hmm. I love oh, hearing. I played with Schlegel. I used to hunt with Schlegel. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he got hired. <laughs> he got hired down there. He's I'll, like, I'll tell AJ Hawk right to his face that he's my favorite linebacker. Yeah, yeah my favorite. <laughs> I've done it already. Hey, yeah. you, hey, yeah. join the club, dude. Schlegel is all of our favorites, man. Schlegel is a great Instagram follower. You want to get motivated on 6 a.m. in the morning? You go pop on his story he he's taking that to jacksonville which <laughs> adds to your point it feels like what they're building down there if you bring a bunch of good into a building now you have to have a you know a direction and a mode but normally people can figure it out you know it, it's whenever you have like turds that get brought in and they start getting patted and everything goes but the situation you fall upon is the direct correspondent i think for your success ability early in the nfl now obviously we saw what happened with joe burrow he almost lost his head i think he broke all of his ribs maybe got a uh, a, a femur broken in a couple yeah. of games he got absolutely <laughs> mangled but he's playing great football when andrew luck came to indianapolis our team was not it was not like the greatest team roster wise but the building was a good building you know so it felt like you know the athletic trainers the equipment everything matters i like that urban meyer setting trevor up for massive success there have you got a chance to kind of see any of the other rookie quarterbacks that are coming out this year and do you expect the same amount of success as last year's rookie quarterbacks yeah, you know, I think it's it's interesting. Last year, we saw Joe play at a really, really high level. He didn't have great protection, but he had great weapons. We saw Herbert um, really just more impressive than the stats and the numbers to me was the way that it started for him, getting thrown in versus the Chiefs after Tyrod Taylor had his incident with the training room. And just, Golf. you know, I, so just stepped into that and, and, uh, and was so mature. Um, unfortunately, what we're seeing happen is, like, Justin Herbert's success is now – making the narrative in Miami should they draft a quarterback because he wasn't it's like he's not at the pace of this other guy and I just think the whole football community world needs to just slow their roll and let these guys develop at the pace at which they'll develop and so when I look at this year I see Trevor coming in I see him getting hot early you know for Zach Wilson if he goes to the Jets that's a big gap from BYU with a pretty soft schedule to the Jets where that's a that's a roster that's in rebuilding phase so I would not expect instant success from Zach Wilson. I expect him to become a great player, but my expectations are not going to be, well, he's the second pick. He should do what Justin Herbert did. Well, he doesn't have the same weapons, and he's got an entire new organization, new building. I think that will be a great pick, and that will be a great spot as Robert Sala builds it. Um, And then, you know, if it is Mac Jones to San Francisco, I think that, you know, he hit the lottery, getting a chance to play in that system with that defense, um, and that, that run and pass game coordinator in Kyle Shanahan, um, I think a lot of people could be a good fit right there. But if that is Mac Jones, which is what everyone's kind of talking about, um, then I, I would see him to have pretty quick success. Because, again, playing quarterback at Alabama and the, and the pressure and the magnitude of that, especially when you're, you know, because you're coming off of a championship probably, right, a year or two before, 
that's not that dissimilar from being a franchise quarterback in this league in terms of the pressure and what comes with that. And so I would expect if that is Mac there or if it's Fields there, I would expect, you know, quicker success uh, based off of the roster, the people dialing up the plays, and then what they were, the program they were just coming from and the competition they played against. Let's talk about the Mac Jones, Justin Fields thing there. And Mac Jones, I mean, the COVID year, I assume it's not going to be similar, but it's still Alabama. You know, it's still SEC, so it's a national championship, still a national championship. The, the thought, though, of Justin Fields being the number two guy in this draft class for like, the, it feels like maybe as long as Trevor Lawrence has been locked in as the number one guy, it's like this guy is uh, the guy or whatever amongst the quarterback circles. Then after the season, he starts to drop for whatever reason. Other Zach skyrockets. Mac comes out of nowhere, obviously, after the Heisman finalist year that he had, and he gets in there. I'm just now learning that Justin Fields took a test from Dr. Scott Goldman, and one of the tests is a recall. He scored, like, the highest or whatever, allegedly. Now, the doctor won't give out any of the results. Who knows who gets the results? This is what Sanchez said, who I think lives near you, might be in the area there. Have you heard of this Goldman test? And is the fact that Justin Fields scored the highest in that one area, allegedly, is that not something we should talk about more, you think, especially for a quarterback position? Yeah, I, when I had heard that I and uh, and we were going to talk about it, I, I reached out to Sanchez on my way over here, and he was explaining it and further. And essentially what it is is the guys tested about 6,500 NFL players, uh, and I don't know names and who or what, and it was really, really high. I think it was up there or higher than everybody else's. So I don't know that we need to look into that and make a big deal about it. I wouldn't because I've spent enough time with Justin to know that, like, like – mental aptitude and learning an offense like what are we talking about here uh, i've been around this guy this guy is as sharp as he needs to be um it, you know he's learned multiple systems in college he's done everything that they've asked him to do throughout this process and i've spent time in the classroom with him um i, I think part of it is i always look at quarterbacks as two things i look at it as intelligence and exposure right intelligence is how smart is somebody exposure is have they learned good things right you can be smart and have not been exposed to anything that's helpful huh. you cannot be smart and been exposed to really good football right so i think justin is really really smart and maybe as much as anybody in this draft has been exposed to really good quarterback development from ryan day and that staff they they develop quarterbacks they they don't just say hey grip it and rip it man throw it wherever feels good they tell them where to go with the ball they tell them who to key they tell them uh, you know, what the progression is. And so with Justin, I hear a lot of talk about him throwing to the first guy all the time. Yeah, that guy's open a lot. <laughs> He's distributing the football. The only knock, and it's not a knock, the only thing that I think is a big emphasis for Justin early in his career is going to be that time clock in his head when he's in the pocket, not holding on to the ball too long. And, Pat, that comes with reps. And it's not reps on the practice field with me. It's not reps in the gym. It's not reps in the film room. You got to play and you got to work on that time clock. It's the time clock to when you catch that long snap and you get ready to punt it. Oh, yeah. It's different when we're doing it on air than in a game. That's the time clock. You got to work on that. And so with Justin, that'll be the biggest thing for him. I have zero concerns with him, his ability to throw, his ability to process things, nothing. I think he's going to be a star and I think he's the second quarterback in this class. Hey, hey by the way, that's, hey, okay. 
I think that too, but everybody else was telling me in us that we were stupid. He wasn't number two for a long time. Happy to hear that the quarterback guru himself feels the exact same way. In the timing thing for Justin Fields, a lot of quarterbacks have that. That, that is something every, they want to extend a play, make the most out of every single play. I think I've overheard Andrew Luck having conversations with people who are potentially telling him and asking him why he does it. He says he feels like that's how football is supposed to be played, where it's like no, no yard left behind, no play left behind. But in the NFL, like, health is better for everybody on your team if you don't get killed. A couple of those shots, I, I would assume, if I was quarterback, would make me like, okay, I'm going to try not to get uh, killed by that guy ever again. But hey, Pat, I Pat, respect the players. on that, too. People, people in college football versus the NFL, it's a different approach to, to, to moving the chains. So in college football, they throw it most of the time. And when they run it, a lot of times they're big gashes. In the NFL on first and second down, it's two, three, four-yard gains on the ground, right? So most of the time in college football, when he's got to drop back in that pocket presence that we talk about, it's usually because it's third and long because they kick it out early uh. on first and second down or they gash it, they get 15 yards a carry or rip 30-yard runs because it's college football. In the NFL, it's a lot of two and three, four-yard gains on first and second down. And so for him, I just uh. think that a lot he's either gotten rid of it quick or had to make something happen on third and 14, which that's why he's holding on to the ball because he runs a 4-4 and he's trying to make a play. I would too. Um, so I, I don't think it's as much as it's a problem that can't be fixed. I just think it's a point of emphasis. He'll emphasize it. He'll get better at it. And if you want to talk about athletes in this draft, he's one of the best athletes on the board, not just the quarterback position. Yeah, and he looks like he got a little bit more yoked up even and mm. still ran a 4-4 because sometimes guys put on a little bit of weight because at that position you might take some bigger shots and then they get a little bit slower. He still runs a 4-4. Hand time. Now, this I don't know if that's hand <laughs> or laser. We don't know if it's hand or laser, okay, because the, the COVID pro day, everything like that. But very fast, incredible athlete. Can't wait to see it. And he's not the only one that potentially holds onto the ball too long or tries to make a play. Let's talk about another guy who potentially became a victim of circumstance in the NFL mightily, and he's only 23 years old, maybe the oldest 23-year-old <laughs> in the history of the motherfucking NFL. This guy yeah. <laughs> is the oldest of all time. You have, a, obviously, a relationship with him. We saw the celebration when he got traded. Sam Darnold gets a new home in Carolina. Joe Douglas just came out and said he hopes Sam does great. Like, he's not going to feel bad or, or people like because he says, we're not going to be able to turn this thing around quick enough for Sam. And it, it felt like Douglas knew... Sam probably knew there's going to have to be a fresh start. Let's figure this out. He's now in Carolina. How does this make you feel as a friend, I'd assume, of Sam Darnold and a confidant of Sam Darnold? Here's on your IG the day that it happened. How do you feel about this whole thing? You guys got to be pumped for him. Uh, I'm jacked, man. I think he's been in one of the worst, most difficult spots uh, that, that we've seen a, a high pick be in uh, recently. And, and, and Baker Mayfield was in a really tough spot three years ago, you know, like three head coaches in two years and then, you know, Josh Allen's rookie year, his number one receiver was Kelvin Benjamin, right? So he's not he's not like good. by himself here and being in a tough spot, but it never got better. Um, and uh, from a scheme and all that stuff. So the Jet, whatever it happened, it's over, it's done. What I love about Carolina moving forward is you've got the wealthiest owner in the league. I just saw that in Forbes. He's like a lot wealthier than everybody else. A I didn't lot. Know that. Tepper? Yeah. Hey, philanthropist, too. He's giving back That's a lot right. of money. You know what I mean? He's a hedge fund guy. Hey, let me <laughs> get all the guy. money. Hey, let me so get all the money. And he, then we got a, a philanthropy. Let me. <laughs> yeah. 
And think about this too. Tepper, from what I understand, is self-made. So for you to make that amount of money in one lifetime, not like three generations of family, oh, yeah. you don't do that by slowly trying to make marginal gains. No, you're going. You do that by putting your foot on the gas and rolling. Like I feel like I'm watching a Pat McAfee wrestling show. Woo! Brother. I appreciate so, that, brother. Like if he's gonna bring that mentality to this, they're not gonna wait around and hope to develop over the next five. They're gonna go. And I actually called a Baylor game for Fox a couple years ago, and uh, and did my my uh, you know my press where my interview with uh, Matt Rule the day before. And this is a true story. I'm doing my I did my little media thing, and I was I was talking to my brother. Uh, it was the day before the Baylor whoever they're playing, and I called my brother and I go, dude, I just met one of the raddest coaches, super humble. This guy's going to be a star. I literally called my brother after that meeting, and I didn't other than preparing for that game, I didn't know who Matt Rule was. Yeah. was. So watching him get that job last year, like, and him being blue collar, he wears the same clothes all the time. He doesn't care about any of this other stuff. He's just super blue collar. That's Sam Darnold. So I think that's a perfect fit. And then when you have Christian McCaffrey, we can talk about what Christian McCaffrey does in the run game and the pass game. But when you look at it through the lens of what he does for a quarterback and similar to Sam Darnold, little brother slash, you know, whatever, uh, guy I work with Kyle Allen was is is the same and he played he was playing for the Carolina two years ago it's the same thing what what Christian McCaffrey does for a quarterback is 20 to 25 times a game the quarterback doesn't have to make a play whether I'm dumping it to you whether I'm flicking it to you whether I'm handing it to you that's 20 to 25 snaps a game where the quarterback doesn't have to make something happen and I would argue that almost every single play that Sam had in New York outside of a traditional handoff, he was in a position where he probably was going to end up needing to make a play. Got it. And so what that does to you as a player is you only got to make a play half the game, not the whole game. And with Joe Brady, Joe Brady, one of the things that he did, offensive coordinator, because I worked with Joe Burrow, is people thought at LSU, Joe Burrow's senior year, that Joe Brady came from the, uh, the Saints. He's probably running all this NFL stuff. No, they won with simplicity. They let Joe make decisions pre-snap at LSU and drop back and play. And that's exactly where Sam Darnold has had success. Adam Gase had, I think, a lot of things going on that's worked with other players. But what suits Sam (laughs) is let him dial exactly in what exactly protection-wise what we need to do and then let him play. And, And Joe Brady had a ton of success with Joe Burrow at LSU with that. And I'm predicting the exact same thing. The difference is... He's got Christian McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, and DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. DJ Moore is a much better receiver than the NFL community gives credit to, and I think he's going to be a rising star this year in the NFL. Well, fantasy football sleeper, DJ Moore. <laughs> hey, look at you with a little fantasy wow. talk there. We appreciate that. The fantasy community says thank you to that. The football community about DJ Moore thanks that fact as well. But the Sam Darnold rise could be awesome to watch as well. What you were saying is you said quarterbacks have had success like this in the past. The only quarterback that's had success with this guy is Peyton Manning. So you're saying Peyton Manning, Sam Darnold, different quarterbacks. Got it. Okay, fair. <laughs> Connor, what do you have? Yeah, Jordan, since 2010, a lot of teams who've traded up to try and get a quarterback you know the stats aren't too good supporting that decision uh do you think guys like kyle trask kellen mond even ian book um would do well in the nfl if they were picked you know in the third or the third round or uh after that or what do you think about that well i just think for those mid-round guys uh if you're not really at the top of the first um it really comes down to development and we're heading towards a world where there are no otas 
and where there aren't as many preseason, there are no preseason games, or there's one preseason game. And so the opportunity to develop uh, is getting thinner and thinner, which means that it's kind of less like we evaluate this middle of the pack quarterbacks, mid-round guys, we evaluate them on like arm strength and hand size and all that shit. When the reality is, it's like, no, how good are they at getting thrown into an awkward situation and handling it well? Because that's the only way that you can develop. So outside of the top four or five guys in this draft class, I actually have a guy that I work with this year, Shane Bichelle from SMU. Mm -hmm. I have him as the next guy because he's got a track record. He's got 44 starts, first off. So he's played a ton of football. He's been at two different schools. And so he's developed and he's been thrown into some really tough situations. And he has a track record of balling. So for me, if you're not going to take somebody in the first round, I want somebody that I don't have to get a million reps to develop because I don't have a million reps to develop him. I've only got training camp and in-season practice, which that guy's not getting any reps. And you're talking about developing with Zoom and with people like me. It's like, no, I can't take somebody in the second round and expect him to poof develop. There's not enough reps like there was back in the day. And so if you're going to take a mid-round guy, you better take somebody who doesn't need a lot of development. They may not be as tall, as fast, as strong as the top five guys, but I need somebody who can handle horrible situations well because that's how you're going to develop into a the third, fourth, fifth-round pick who ends up being a starter. The fascinating thing is the passion in which you speak of the development is probably what led you to create the quarterback summit, which is probably why it's having great success. So congrats to you all. Yeah! Thank you. It feels like you would rather not have to do it, but you put the cape on and said, listen, if somebody's <laughs> got to teach these guys how to be pros and to become better quarterbacks, I would do it. We appreciate that. I got a, uh, a tweet from at Stampede Blue, which is a Colts blog, and we talked about this guy yesterday with the Colts. Have you worked with Jacob Eason? In what, like in Indy, we've had Phillip Rivers. Now, obviously, we have Carson. But there's a community on the Internet every single time a quarterback decision is made. Like, you're wrong, Jacob B. You already got the guy, Jacob B. What is this guy going to be? You don't have to. That's not go long because we're running up on a time here. But is that guy a dude? Or in, and what do you think about him? I think he can be a dude. I was around him as a, as a, at a young age, high school when he was at Georgia. I haven't been around him recently. But, I mean, you guys know, big strong talented physical big arm um but he again he's that fourth round pick i believe so he's really going to benefit if he get from reps and it's, that development has to happen in games it's not how well you throw the out route versus air um and so they got to figure out a way and, and i've read that they're, they're they know this like they got to figure out a way to see what he can do when the bullets are flying um but if he if he doesn't pan out it won't be for physical reasons and if he does make it then I, I know what he is physically. So if he's the rest of that too, mentally and emotionally, can handle all that, then yeah, they may have a really, really good option here moving forward. That's cool. Him and he could, if Carson gets hurt or something mm -hmm. happens, yeah. it sounds like we potentially, because I think Frank Reich, also a good coach, I think he does do good quarterback stuff, which is why everybody loves coming to him. I appreciate you answering that. We have about a minute left until a hard out. So what I'm saying here is, if you're a serious listener and the conversation gets cut out, we do apologize because we have a quarterback guru and all we've talked about and been forced yeah. to talk about for two weeks is fucking quarterback play. We have a lot of things we'd like to figure out. Diggs, what is it? Jordan, I just want to know if you were invited to Trevor Lawrence's wedding this weekend and what you get the future first overall pick for a wedding gift. Smart. What do you get him? Ooh. Um, 
That's a good question. You get a Carson I get Palmer. I get a stand-up paddleboard because that's about the, the best bet you got. He's going to probably live on the beach. I used to live, play in Jacksonville. He's going to need to get some stand-up paddleboard so he can cruise that intercontinental <laughs> or intercoastal. How nice is that, by the way? That it, you know, like Jacksonville, Matt Overton, one of my, uh, my former long snapper with the Indianapolis Colts, he got signed by the Jaguars or whatever. Who is that? Is that anybody cool? Was that anybody cool? Is that Trevor? Was that Trevor? No, that's that's uh that's the herd up next. Oh, <laughs> wow. We apologize. It's top of the hour though. It's top of the hour though. They got like four minutes or whatever. Plenty of time. Yeah, we got plenty of time in this entire thing. Um, so I apologize. Last question. The Jacksonville though, Matt Overton posted a photo. He was like running on the beach as soon as he got down there. I had no idea. It is literally right on a beach down there. It's awesome. a great place. Hopefully Trevor Lawrence does great. Hey, we appreciate you, Jordan. Have a good one, bub. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, man. Big fan. I love watching what you guys are doing. Well, good luck on the next show. Probably be better than this one if I had to guess. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hey, so let well. me know if we want to talk draft again. That was fun last year. Oh, uh, we are having the draft spectacular. You come back on, yeah? I'll come back on. This time I'll dress up. Yeah, maybe if whoa, you send whoa, that whoa, damn bobblehead. We don't, we don't have the, uh, yeah, the bobblehead too, by the way. Almost mm-hmm. coming up on a year. It's yeah. funny you reminded that now. But <laughs> the... Um, we don't know what the dress code's going to be yet. True. We, we think, we don't know what the dress code's going to be. We will let you know, and we will send the address for the bobblehead. We appreciate you. Ladies and gentlemen, Jordan Paul. Yeah. Big news. Yeah, there's uh, big things coming. I'm making a rather large life-altering. No, I'm joking. Well, a rather large well, decision. Well, we're, we're doing something big here relatively soon. All right, in the next few weeks, something is going to be announced that we'll, the show will never stop. Okay, the show will continue to go yeah, on, yeah. but another chapter is about to get added to it. Will it be a trip back in time for some closure, Ooh. potentially? Ooh, will on. it be a promotion on something that is potentially already happened? Potentially. Or will it be something brand new? Potentially. Yeah, we have big things popping off. I'm very excited about it. Joining us now to not talk about that, but talk about everything else going on in the world, ladies and gentlemen, AJ Hawk. AJ, how you doing, bub? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, Jordan, I I really enjoyed, actually, I watched your whole speaking uh, deal with Jordan. He was great. He, He gave you a ton of good info. He was, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, and there's been times where Jordan. Why are you looking at me like that? Why? Well, what are you trying to? You're giving me the look like you're up to something. Well, hey, well, hey, hey, hey. Schlegel over you. Schlegel. Yeah, that's. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, yeah. Schlegel's my favorite Ohio State linebacker ever too. He should be. <laughs> well, I mean, let's not get crazy. When General Bob Carpenter was yeah. at the front, you know, I think a lot of people potentially were like, you know what? This guy brought back Big Ten football. I love that guy. This guy brought back. Maybe we love General Bob Carpenter, but the fact that you three were together, I could not even <laughs> fathom. I, I cannot wait to meet Schlegel in person. Uh, I assume he's electric, as is the person that's joining us right now. A very handsome man. He was an actor. He was a football player. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's a commentator. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now, the founder of... Stinks, stinking chili. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, good stinking, stinking good. Great stinking what? <laughs> yeah, stinking good chili. Yeah, yeah. I love that chili. It's the fucking good. Yeah. Best. It is the good Woo! chili. We ate it all. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Schler. Yeah. Stinking good. God, I was so close. That's yeah, what I mean. Look at, look at this. Oh, Hell it's yeah. so good. Hell yeah. Hey. 
don't just eat, win, baby. That's what it's all about right there. Hey, I, re- I appreciate you joining us here today, and I also appreciate the the chili you and your people have created. I believe you you got a chance to try it, said let's do business. It's now global. We have it in the office. Right. We love it. We appreciate the hell out of you. Well, I appreciate that, man. It's very kind of you. I didn't get the name 100% right. I forgot what it was. That's yeah, it's Friday. It's, it, you know, it's not about the name. It's about, you know, filling your belly up, right? <laughs> yeah, By the way, I saw you. I saw your golf swing the other day. And all I could think about while you were typing one right down the middle of the fairway, all I could think about is I think I could put Pat in a three-point stance, and I think we might have some success, dude. You look like a guard right now. And I'm telling you, not like fat thick. I mean like like good thick, well, like a good thick. I do appreciate that. Um, I have been trying to I am a th- I am a spark plug of a human, okay? I always mm-hmm. have been. So when I go through my stages, it is very obvious. I mean, it is gut chin everything like that right now i am on the process of getting into the best shape oh, of my yeah. life i'm back in the game but you i appreciate the thickness respectness out of you there though yeah i would i would tell you this if we put your lower half on my upper half <sighs> unbelievable we're the rock oh my goodness it would be unbelievable because my uh I got my boobs are gigantic. Like my upper body is freaking phenomenal. With them, with them sticks you got on the, on the back end there, those things are. I mean, those are tree trunks right there. Thank I you. would be the world's perfect human. Well, that's the rock, and I wish. What could have been, man? What could have been? It would have been. Yeah. Maybe science will be able to figure it out. Let's assume Elon will. Let's move forward here with a conversation about the football. And I know AJ was pumped to be on alongside you here as well, Mark. Football draft coming up. What's your big storyline? What are you thinking about? Are there any good offensive linemen coming out this year? Do you facet yourself with that or no? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's the Slater kid from uh, Northwestern's really good. Obviously, Sewell from Oregon is a phenomenal player. I, you know, here's the thing about the draft that's funny to me is like, you know, the New York Jets, right? Like they get rid of Sam Darnold, who they just drafted three years ago, and they're going to replace him with what apparently is Zach Wilson, right? And and no disrespect to any of those guys. I'm sure they're great players. But here's the thing about the draft that fascinates me is that we act as though every guy that plays quarterback is going to come fix our franchise. Like if it didn't work with Sam Darnold, why do you think you could put him in that same situation or another quarterback in the same situation and have it work this time? To me, it's like when I bring home toys for my granddaughters, right? They love those toys, right? That I bring a toy through the door, man. They can't wait to play with it. They spend 15 minutes, 20 minutes playing with it. Oh, Popo, you're the best. This is great. But you know what? When it's time to go to bed, they're finding that binky, right? They're finding <laughs> that security blanket. They're finding the good old things that actually work, right? Which is building a football team, having good football players. Like, to, to me, from the quarterback position, there are four or five guys. You have one on every week in Aaron Rodgers. There are four or five guys who are unicorns, who cover warts. The rest of the guys expose warts. When you were in Indianapolis, Pat, I used to say this all the time. I thought that was an 8-8 football team without Peyton Manning, and they win 12 games every year. And people in Indy would get so pissed at me. They'd be so pissed. And then, you know what what, what happened? You guys lose Peyton Manning, you go 2-14. and I was like, you, hey, I way overestimated the talent level on that team. (laughs) (laughs) That was a terrible year. That was a terrible year. I think there's literally four quarterbacks that cover warts. The rest of the quarterbacks expose them. 
So you're selling this bill of goods to your fan base that's absolute garbage. It's hey, now we're going to fix it because now we got Zach Wilson. And then three years from now, now we're going to fix it because we'll take the next guy, you know, that's hotter than Wolf Piss. It just doesn't work that way. Build a football <laughs> team. Don't just, just, just draft quarterback after quarterback. Hey, what about the other side of that trade? What about the Carolina Panthers? What do you think the message is to their fans going out and grabbing Sam Donald? Do you think he can kind of find a way to, to revive his career? Well, you hope that if you build a good team around the guy, you know, you can take some pressure off the guy. They've got a really good receiving core out there. They still have issues to me, you know, blocking people up front. Um, obviously, if McCaffrey comes back, McCaffrey's a phenomenal player, as you guys well know. Uh, that defense to me is a little bit suspect. Um, you know that five, uh, that three five five, or whatever, whatever it is they're playing over there. Three, where they've three, got five. at some point. At one point, that I think that I counted nine DBs on the field at one point. <laughs> so, uh, you're, you know, your guess is as good as mine on that one, AJ. But uh, yeah, I think they're going to try to resurrect his career. I, I will say this: I like Matt Rule. I think Matt Rule's one of those young guys that really coaches his players, and um, and I appreciate I appreciate that about him. But obviously, there's a lot of work to do in Carolina. It sounds like everybody likes Matt Rule, by the way. Me and me and AJ got to call, uh, call a game he was coaching whenever he was at Baylor. We met him the night before. It was like, oh, this is just classic football guy. That's what this guy is. He's just classic football guy. Just talked to Jordan Palmer, who, uh, you know, I think he has a relationship with him or whatever. He said he went and told his brother, hey, that guy's rad. This guy's rad is what Jordan Palmer said about it. So I feel like in last year, everybody's like, they got the right guy in Matt Rule in Carolina. It feels like the narrative is he He's going to be a damn good NFL coach. There's not a lot of those, too. You say four or five quarterbacks. There's not a lot of great NFL coaches either, Mark. Right. Well, I think, you know, I always say this about my own business and, and some of the event, the ventures that I get into. You're either in the relationship business or you're going out of business. And huh. ultimately, as a coach, man, you have to be in the relationship business with your players. And, you know, you have to be authentic and they have to trust you. This is why I thought it was funny last year. When Tom Brady, the first game of the season, throws three picks and, every, and and Bruce Arians just eviscerates him, right, in public. And people are like, oh, that's not going to go over well. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, there's no virgin meat on anybody's ass if you played for, for that guy. I mean, he's going to rip it all. And that's who he is. And he would be – he would lack authenticity if he didn't treat Tom Brady the same way he treats everybody else. And Tom Brady, by the way, what makes him great is he expects to be coached. He wants to be coached hard. So – like authenticity is so important building that relationship and asking your guys i mean you played for a guy that's probably as authentic as anybody i've ever met in tony dungy it means something right that's important and you don't all have to have the same personality but there are personality traits that are important that that you know last the test of time and and those guys the guys that have that i think get the most out of their players over the long run I know you get to go when you're traveling around doing games during the year. You you go and you watch practice usually a day or two before the game. Do you notice anything different? Like over the last 10, 15, 20 years, are, do coaches coach different? Do they have a different approach or is it pretty much similar as it was when you were playing? I think that, like from practices that you see on Friday, I think they're pretty they're pretty similar. I mean, there's not as Fast much, Friday. obviously, you know, there's not as much contact and there's not as much of, of that stuff that goes on. But the practices are similar. You know, there, there's, a, there's this fine kind of juxtaposition between doing your work and having fun. And 
you know, you see the teams that are having too much fun or almost just slappies, you know, just uh, it, really not getting any work done. And then you see the teams that are having a good time, but the practices are sharp, they're crisp, and, and everybody is totally tuned in. And and so you that, those are the things that I see. Like, um, I always think back to my own career and the teams I played on. You know, Fridays were we had a blast, but it was about doing the work. You know, perfect. It was about getting the work done. Hey, and, perfect. Um, and you could do it, and you could still have fun doing it. But uh, y- you could tell that with the teams that are really dialed in and, and well coached. Yeah, like those those Fridays, Fast Friday, or the walkthroughs. Like, there's been some that I've been at where it was like perfection was demanded and commanded almost. And then there was a couple times where there was some shit happening. It was like we were looking around, like, oh. This team's gonna stink. What the hell is this? Oh, we got we're gonna we're gonna potentially you know what I mean? There's there's a couple where there's you have to have a group that's locked in but still enjoying themselves. And that, I think that's a team led thing that can happen. Although the coach has to be, you know, all in on that thing. It's just building a team, a successful team, is incredibly difficult because all the different personalities and X factors and shit you can't account for. So whenever teams are able to do it, I'm always incredibly impressed. What do you have, Diggs? Mark, I think I may know your answer here, but the Bengals are sitting at five and say that there's Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, and Penny Sewell all there, and you had Joe Barrow killed last year. Do you automatically go to the tackle there? Do you take a weapon? And they brought in Riley Reef this year. How hard is it to move a tackle who's been left tackle his entire career to right tackle, or do you put the rookie at right tackle? Yeah, I, I think I would probably put the rookie at right tackle. Um, you know, in transition, I mean, I, I remember Jonathan Ogden starting off at guard before he moved to left tackle, and he became a Hall of Fame left tackle. So uh, because they had Tony Jones at the time, one of my uh, teammates, late great Tony Jones. So, um you know that that to me is is something that's easier to do with a rookie. But ultimately, you know, it's the it, it's the ultimate team game, and everybody is a dependent position. But I always say about you know the wide receiver position in general, like ten other guys have to do their jobs exceptionally well for you even to touch a football. So hmm. I, I, I don't understand hmm. why people have become so enamored and why that position has become such a diva position. I mean, Jeez. the next time a team is one wide receiver away from winning a championship will be the first time in the history of the league that has ever happened. So I, I am, you know, I'm all about taking care of your line of scrimmage. You show me, just go through the playoffs. The team that physically won the battles on the line of scrimmage won every game in the playoffs, far none. Okay, let's talk about one of those offensive lines. Uh, this is actually Connor's question. It seems like there's a young guy on that Super Bowl championship team that's a fucking monster. Yeah, is Tristan Wirfs the uh, next guy? Because he was throwing around 405 pounds like it was nothing yesterday on Twitter. Yeah, I saw that on his uh, on his just cleans, right? Just uh, hang oh, yeah. cleans, 405. It was, yeah, he's, I'm telling you, he was such a good player last year. Um and did such a phenomenal job coming into the right tackle position and just being locked down the whole, you know, the whole season long, which is incredible. And, and, you know, they did a great job. They've got inside. I love the scouting department. Jason Light's a friend of mine, but what he has done in their scouting department, think about this. They've got a division three player. Uh, you know, I think Ali Marpet is their division three player from Hobart, then a division two player from, um, CSU Pueblo in their center, Ryan Jensen. And then their right guard is a Division II player. I mean, you want to talk about scouting, right? Going and, and, and leaving no stone unturned. And then you bring Wirfs in there, and they were phenomenal. They were phenomenal all season long. They're nasty. They play nasty. I really appreciate that aspect of the game. And, you know, when you look at what they were able to do, especially in that Super Bowl on both sides of the ball, dominating the line of scrimmage, um, and I'll have to give credit, you know, 
they were able to dominate the line of scrimmage as, an, uh, as a defensive line, a lot of because of, of what guys like A.J. Hawk did at the oh, linebacker yeah, position. Yeah. You, look at, you look at what Devin White and, and what Levante David did oh, yes. and the way they got depth, the way they took away the intermediate – intermediate and quick routes and made uh and, and made Mahomes hold the ball they were phenomenal in that in that realm hey whenever he was in between when he was going to re-rack that every time I've hand cleaned and I've thrown some weight around yeah, uh, yeah. on hand right. cleaning, uh, he, and, you know you always put that down I normally put that down then you he walked with one foot at one point had that thing he was literally here here's the video and we'll try to pause it at the moment I knew oh this guy is a fucking beast he does it easily he doesn't really drop it right there, he's on one foot holding that thing. Man, it's just like, all right, this guy is a fucking beast, obviously. And he was a rookie. AQ Shipley yeah. was down there. He was like, hey, this guy might be the best offensive lineman to ever play when this thing's over. What do you have, AJ? Oh, dude, that makes me want to get on a cycle right there. I mean, <laughs> straight up. Just go straight up. Just uh, <laughs> You never know. Maybe maybe you can give it a shot. But when you're looking at these O-linemen, I know I've heard people talk about how tough it is to evaluate them coming out of college. Do you see that? I know college offenses are starting to morph into the NFL game, but they are a lot of times, yeah, it's like basketball on grass, as people say. Can you evaluate them the same way you, you used to be able to? Um, I, I think it is more difficult. I mean, you definitely see a guy that has foot quickness, that has great sets and great technique. Um so you can see that the, the problem that you get into is in a lot of college situations, uh, the ball is out so quickly. There's a lot of times on the line of scrimmage, you don't block anybody. You know, it's all about release. It's about, uh, you know, about uh, optioning a, a three technique. Like, like I watch that and I'm like, who, who in the hell options a three technique, right? I mean, I've never seen anything like this. So the college game is funny that way. Nobody's in three point stance oftentimes. So it's hard to see if a guy can really come off the ball but on the outside, you can see things and skill sets that translate. You know, your ability to set, your ability to, you know, to stay low and strike guys. I think the biggest thing for me is how a dude strikes guys. There's a lot of guys in the NFL that are, are a lot of guys in college football that catch guys. And then do you strike in an upward fashion? Do you create this, this leverage from low to high plane? Because that's that's really the key to playing that position. And those things translate. You can see those things. Yeah, there you go. See there you go. Ta-da. Oh. oh, oh, yeah, there it is. There you it see, is. Hey, you saw that. Hey, baby. Hey, give, me, I give, love it. give me that sandbag. You know what I mean? Ooh. You know, yeah, I do the whole thing. Yeah. What do you have, Gumpy? Yeah, Mark, we've been talking about the possibility of Teddy Bridgewater to Denver the last couple days. Are you sold on Drew Locke, or do you think that would be a good fit in Denver? Uh, I'm not sold on either. Um, <laughs> really? So, uh, you know, again, like Teddy, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a is, is a, a a really great mentor. I think he's a good player. Uh, and like this comes down to the quarterback situation again. Like we talked about when we started this thing out, right? Here's Teddy Bridgewater gets an opportunity to play in New Orleans a couple of years ago, and and goes five and zero with his chances to start, right? And he parlays that into a sixty million dollar contract. And then what happens? Well, you know, you're on a team that isn't nearly as talented. When I look at New Orleans, you know, I see a, a left tackle who's a Pro Bowl, all pro, a right tackle who's all pro. I see a running back that's all pro. I see a wide receiver that's all pro. I see a tight end that's a Pro Bowl player. I see a guard that's all pro. Like, 
you, you get what I'm saying here? You defensively, I see two defensive ends that are Pro Bowl players. I see a corner that's one of the best in the league. I see a guy. Hey, are in, the Broncos? Uh, hey, are the Broncos yeah. one of those teams though that has enough talent to potentially turn something? Because it feels like the team is being talked about as if the expectations are real, but there's a massive question mark at the quarterback still. They're everybody's saying. I think there's a massive question mark as far as talent is concerned and depth is concerned. And so, listen, you know, people get people get enamored because you find starters in the draft. Like, you get, hey, we had four starters in this draft. Man, what a great draft. Is it? Is it really a great draft? Because you've got four guys that are starting. Listen, crappy teams, shitty teams still fill 22 starters. We don't go out there and say, hey, listen, we only have seven guys that are worth a shit. So we're only going to start seven guys in this game. So there are teams that have to play backups as starters. That's the way it works. And so when I look at them, yeah, you draft some starters in the last three or four years, but a lot of those starters should be backups. And so I would argue with anybody um, that sits there and says, well, they're really talented. They're just a quarterback away. No, they're not. In that division with Kansas City and what the Chargers were able to do last year, if they get healthy, and I, I, I just don't think they're even close right now, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or anybody else playing quarterback. I love that you mentioned or failed to mention the Raiders in that conversation there just because, <laughs> you know, old, old bruises die hard there. I like that you yeah. just go ahead. Yeah, just go ahead. Well, you know, you know that I hate the Raiders with yeah. the white hot intensity of a <laughs> yeah. thousand songs, and yeah. I hope they lose every game. So, uh, and Gruden's a buddy of mine, but he knows how I feel. The Those starters, <laughs> by the way, that you referred to? They're in Vegas and Miami in the offseason. No yeah. starters in hey, the NFL. Hey, hey, hey. You know, they're still getting the, the juice. Um, Mark, where are you traveling to, Bub? Seems like you're in an airport. Yeah, I am in an airport. I'm heading to Arizona. As a matter of fact, I was driving to the airport. I called my daughter, Avery, and told her I'm heading to the airport. And her friend Dan was over, and he was really worried. He goes, well, aren't you on a show in like an hour? And I was like, what do you, no, I did my show this morning from Denver. He goes, no, 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 you're on McAfee. Are you going to? And I'm like, hey, relax, Dan. Now, Dan, you got to, Dan's a little guy. Like, I could fold him up and put him on the back. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so I'm just like, relax, little fella. You know, Papa Bear is going to find a place to sit down and do the show. It's going to be okay. Well, it's going to be okay. I appreciate that you've been yelling incredible things while people are probably in your phone. And they can't hear the other side, obviously, just walking by you. There's this non-masked madman screaming over there with dude across his forehead for dude wives. You're the best, yeah. dude. I appreciate those, you. Hey, those are my dude wives, man. you got to have a clean crack. <laughs> exactly. That's a happy crack. Exactly. All right. Later. <laughs> Safe Later. travels, man. We appreciate you so much. You're the best. Mark Schlerer plays. Can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this show. The fact that you do, I am forever grateful for. From myself, all the boys who I am very, very thankful for as well. Their incredible work this week, their passion. I can't thank them enough. And for everybody listening, you're the greatest, man. The guests that spend some of their time talking to us and exposing some of their thoughts and feelings on the things that are happening around the world, I can't thank them for their time as well. Very grateful Feel Good Friday here. We hope you have an incredible weekend. We'll be back on Monday with some more bullshit. I think a pretty big show coming Monday, actually, if I do recall from emails that I've seen. And I am up to something. Uh, Ty's not here. He's out doing something rather important in his life that is good, not bad. Um, safe travels to Ty. Mitt, please play some independent music and propel these people into an incredible weekend. Cheers. We'll see you Monday. Be a friend. Tell a friend. Bye.